really, what is that one thing that's going to hit the mark? What is going to propel your projects forward? What is going to make people, decision makers, take notice? Maybe there are people that want to collaborate with you, or maybe there are people who see what you've created in one arena, and then they think like, oh, what if we worked on this project together? You know, so I just, I keep trying to leverage any successes that I have towards the next project. Welcome to the Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artist makers and content creators where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, and you can check out some of my work on my website, which is mikebrennan.me. I'd love to extend an opportunity for you to join us in our free Facebook group, which is called Daily Creative Habit. It's for any creative who wants to show up more consistently for their creativity and craft. Go to dailycreativehabit.com and join the group today. Also, I want to let you know about a, for lack of a better word, challenge that is going on right now. Uh, I am hosting over on Instagram, and it is called Creative Mental Health Mondays. I'm simply extending the opportunity to anyone who wants to create anything, really, that is centered around the themes of mental health, so depression, anxiety, burnout, etc., and post that work on Instagram, tag me, at Mike Bone, and use the hashtag CMHM, and then you will be able to just join in the conversation that we're trying to have over there, bringing awareness about some mental health issues, specifically for creatives. Because so many times I've had conversations over the past year with fellow creative people who have said, you know, I've been isolated, I'm experiencing higher anxiety, I'm experiencing a lot of depression, and yet I still need to perform creatively. And so living in that tension, I feel even more alone And when we start to have these conversations and bring some more awareness, people realize, you know what, there are more people experiencing this right now than ever before, I think. And so um, just to make some people feel seen and heard, to facilitate some conversations and hopefully encourage people to take some next steps in the health of their own mental health. So head over to Instagram, join in the Creative Mental Health Mondays Challenge. And I look forward to the things that you may create and lend to the conversation. My guest today is Andrea Grant, and she is an artist, a mixed media artist, I guess you could say, uh, or at least multi-expression artist, and a social media agency owner. And we talk about her journey into uh, all various projects that she's had her hand in, such as her own comic series called Minx, and some spoken word uh, film and balancing agency life and passion projects. Um, I mean, we have a great conversation today that I think is very practical and also very inspirational because Andrea really knows how to, uh, as she says, you know, dream up a world, create a world to live in. Uh, She has the ability to figure out what it is that she wants to do and plan her attack And man, she has gotten some things done and continues to. So I know this is going to be really encouraging to you. And I highly suggest that you follow her and all the work that she does, because you will be inspired for sure. So without further ado, here is my creative chat with Andrea Grant. 
Well, Andrea, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, this is going to be good. So you have so many different creative projects that you have your hand in. I love it all. Uh, we'll get into some of that. Um, but for people who may not be familiar with who you are, can you give us just a little snapshot of who, you, who are you? What do you do? I'm a writer and multimedia artist of Native American descent. So that mythology is infused in a lot of my work. And then my day job is as the founder and CEO of Copious Consulting, which is a social media agency, quite a boutique, you know, very um, personalized service with our clients. And so that's where a lot of my writing and editing skills come in handy. So, you know, yeah. finding the balance between being an artist and producing work and then keeping everybody happy and in my day life is an intricate balance. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I, I love that you mentioned that because I think so many times there's that tension that creative people live in to think, well, it has to be either one or the other, right? It's either I'm doing all the stuff that's my voice, my fingerprints all over everything, and I've got to make it in that world, or I'm doing corporate work and leveraging my creative skills for other people. And people don't usually see that, well, actually, there's an and both option there. Uh, you don't have to torture yourself to think it's got to be either or, right? <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult. It's, it's very frustrating if you just pursue one path, I think, as a creative person. Yeah. And, you know, I'd love to... to talk a little bit about your um, multiple kind of creative endeavors that you have going on, but dial things back to like when you were a kid, was there a point in time where you said, you know, yeah, I am a creative person. Like this is how it's showing up in my life. Uh, whether, you know, it, it maybe it was drawing, painting, some other creative activity. Like what did that look like for you growing up? Um, I was very, very into books, you know, a voracious reader. And ever since I could print, legibly I've been writing little stories and actually drawing little sketches and making little books out of paper you know folding them in half and so I always had like you know I wasn't the best visual artist of course you know but I would make like you know say make a dollhouse out of a big sheet of paper and then make like little people and draw in furniture and have like this paper dollhouse thing and I had a real dollhouse and just always creating these narratives and these stories for these, for the Barbie dolls, for the little dollhouse figurines, you know, moving things around and just like a very, even with my friends when we would play, go to the beach or whatever, we'd say like, let's pretend this. And there was always like a dramatic scenario, whether we envisioned ourselves in a Star Wars scene because <laughs> yeah. we somehow had seen that movie and it's like, okay, Han Solo was my boyfriend and you can have Luke Skywalker, <laughs> that kind of thing. So always, um, always storytelling and, you know, very much into mythology influenced a lot by Joseph Campbell mm -hmm. and his like, you know, the hero with a thousand faces, the power of myth and, um, and diving deep into native mythology too. I was always interested in the stories and, and fairy tales. Like I just, mm. I loved anything to do with, with images and words going together, you know, storybooks yeah. with single image pictures, you know, how they used to yeah. have that. And then comic oh, yeah. books I got into as well. So, but I yeah. always knew that I wanted to be a writer. I just didn't know how. 
you know, I always excelled in high school, you know, creative writing classes and English. I'm also great at math. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, most creative. Definitely, <laughs> exactly. But everything artistic. So, yeah, I always yeah. knew that I wanted to walk that path somehow. So all that inspiration when you're a kid fuels you forward to pursue this for uh, schooling and then career. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I did go to college and studied creative writing and English lit primarily. And that really taught me. I had some great teachers, some of, one of whom I'm still in touch with. Oh, wow. And she's a great writer. She's always got like a new book every year, it seems. And she really taught me how to edit my own work because before it was just sort of like writing poetry and having everything be somewhat raw you know, and then learning more about how to draw like the imagery and paint a picture, but still have the abstract symbolism and metaphor throughout. So, and hmm. it's just, honestly, it's just honing your craft and you're not always that great at first yeah, when yeah. you start out. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I, I say you have to get a lot of that bad work out. You have to keep showing mm -hmm. up, be consistent, and then the good work will come, but you can't expect to just sit down once in a while and then be able to come up with this gem, you know, it takes work. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was definitely an early adopter of the internet, you know, back when you entered the dial up. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> so I learned a lot of skills with, you know, old computers and sort of making things work on, from a tech perspective. And I've also been a big proponent of creating my own reality. So when I was a teenager, I decided to start a zine called Copious. And it actually nice. did really well. It was underground. And I used to put together these launch parties and I would have like burlesque dancers perform, hip hop artists, um, have a fashion show, all of this stuff, you know, mixing together things that were not commonly merged. And then it did really well. It got a lot of press and that kind of launched my career further. And that mm. was when I was living in Vancouver, Canada. And I really, really wanted to move to New York City because I thought that's where you make a dream happen. Nothing is going to happen in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was off and running wow. from there. And, and I had the idea for Minx along the way. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about that. Series. Yeah. Yeah. Like how did that, how did that actually come about? Like what was the background on that? Well, actually the premise started native americans believe that when we sleep and dream we enter a dimension that's as real and valid as this waking life so i created minx based on the idea of blurring the lines between comic book storytelling and reality and i made myself and my friends characters and nobody was doing that back then this is like 2006 and comic-con went through a very according to the older guys that i met the experts that had seen everything, um, it had become kind of like unpopular. Hmm. Not like it is today where you can't even get through the crowds or can't even get tickets, but it was sort of like, there were kind of girls selling naked pictures of themselves and it had like this kind of shady element as part of the Comic-Con, but then there would be the genuine like comic book writers and artists and creators and, and such. So 
was kind of interesting to watch it morph and nobody was doing cosplay. You know, the occasional person would dress up, but it was just like sort of normal people walking around kind of confused <laughs> that myself and my friends were dressed up like the characters and um, Minx went through different iterations before the story really evolved. So there were some individual releases of comics and then I just decided to change the plot and the storyline and kind of make it a little bit more accessible to people. So mm-hmm. like graphic novel was released in 2011. But when you talk about being ahead of the curve, I feel like I've always been ahead of the curve at least 10 years. Really? And that can be frustrating. Yes. Yeah. Because I watch, you know, I mean, I had an agent, I was living in New York, but I had meetings in LA and I went to Paramount and I went to Warner brothers and I went to, um, all of these major studios to talk about my project and consider developing it for a film. And these execs would say, Oh, men, men are the only superheroes that sell women don't sell. It just doesn't happen. And this Mm -hmm. is right around the time when the twilight movies were just about to Mm -hmm. start. You know, this is before like hunger games and all of that. And I knew that they were wrong. They said, would you consider making Minx a man? And I said, absolutely not, not interested. So I stuck to my vision and I think that was the right thing to do. And now yeah. all of a sudden people are interested in native American culture. It's popular. It's like not so cool in Hollywood to be a white man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, it's, it's about women and it's about like multiracialism and, and different cultures being portrayed. So that's really cool to see, but it's, you know, now it seems like there's a resurgence of interest in my book. Uh-huh. Like I did a reprint of my graphic novel a couple of months ago and it sold out, you know. So now there's publishers kind of considering it like a redo, reboot, whatever they call it. Yeah. And the next thing that I'm going to do is an animated series. That's exciting. I want to start with one story and it's basically a Minx origin story. And it's in conjunction with a book of reimagined Coast Salish myths. So it's going to be like one of those storybooks with just the individual panels of art thrown mm-hmm. in rather than a comic book. So it's pretty exciting because now it feels yeah. like the time is right many yeah. years later. I would think that that's very validating. I mean, it's delayed, of course, but validating nonetheless of here you've put in the work, here you've you've carried this vision for a long time. And then finally, culture and other people have kind of caught up to what it is that you've created and, and your interests and your abilities and um, and now opportunities are presenting. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Um, is there something in that that you've learned that maybe you could offer for someone else who may be listening right now, who is still in that phase of, hey, I'm carrying this vision. I have this, I'm in the gap, you know, I, I'm not where I wanna be. I'm creating this thing or I've created this thing and yet it seems like opportunities haven't presented or doors just keep closing, promises are made and not kept. Like, what do you do in the face of that? There's a huge amount of disappointment you face. You know, there are way more no's, there are way more false promises than there are yeses. I would say for me, I ended up just doing it myself, self-publishing you know, not waiting around for somebody else to help me because it was just so discouraging. 
And mm. that's where I found my success. And then there have been times where, for example, I moved to California in 2016, just for a change of pace and better weather. And <laughs> I was very excited still about my comic series when I moved here. But then there were some other things just in my life going on and, and trying to start my agency. And, you know, I felt like I lost a lot of my fire, mm-hmm. you know? So I would say you just have to stick to your vision. You have to create a map, you know, a roadmap of how you're going to drive the car and navigate your life. And what's always really worked for me is every year to do kind of a goal set, like bullet mm-hmm. points of, but I, I write what I want to have happen in the present tense as a like, I have a series deal by this year, you know, and then uh, yeah, full like three or four points on how the steps needed to get there. So just really looking at those lists and going back at what motivated you, looking back at work that you produced and thinking like, wow, this stands the test of time, you know, because we, we tend to kind of, as artists, I'm sure you can relate, we finish a project. And then we're kind of over it. It's like, okay, that's done. Yes. Great. You're happy for, for like three hours. And then you feel sort of empty. You know, um, I think you also have to take in a lot of creativity. You have to look at other people's art. You have to feel as though you have a community of people that support you and believe in you because there are definitely some dark times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, such great advice um, and, and so hopeful, I think, uh, giving people some practical things to, to latch on to there. Um, in, in the midst of that, you know, you've mentioned, so your agency, right? Um, let's talk a little bit about that right now. So, you know, you, you have your project, Minx, and I'm sure other projects, then we'll talk a little bit about some of those. But you also have agency. And so, like we said, it's not the either or, it's the and both. Um, how did that kind of come about? And what what does that look like as far as where those things fit into your life and how you navigate those things? Okay. Yes. I When I lived in New York, I had always dreamed of working at Condé Nast. So I had been an editor for some online magazines and some part-time work and just you know, working multiple jobs basically to survive in that city and having the energy to produce my work. And I've also been fortunate to have gotten a lot of arts grants. So that's helped fund many of my projects over the years. Um, But of course, I find I can't be creative if I'm worried about paying the rent or paying the bills. Mm -hmm. Like that anxiety just will stifle all creativity. So I finally landed my dream job at Condé Nast and I worked for Details Magazine for a couple of years. But again, I started freelancing. I was always trying to make more money. So um, I started like a custom comic business and people would order like comics for Valentine's Day or Christmas presents, you know, of themselves and their loved ones. And I edited a cookbook. <laughs> I just did whatever I could to make more money than... You could never have enough money in New York City, especially. Uh-huh. And so Copious Consulting was born of my desire to move past publishing and get more into the agency world because a lot of magazines were going out of print. And I saw more of a future in PR and advertising. So I worked for a couple of big agencies on some projects, 
honed my skills, had some freelance clients, and then brought that business to California. And it's interesting because the clients, the first couple of clients that I had in California were very small and just a very different experience from what I was used to, which is fast paced communication, Mm -hmm. um, accountability. And now we pretty much just have East Coast clients, which is great because Hmm. I still have that, that rhythm, you know, that drive and that level of work ethic that you have to have to survive in that city. So it's been great. Um, COVID was terrifying for a moment because we thought like, okay, a couple of clients had just started businesses. For example, one had just started a new luxury ride share and nobody was going to take like a Lyft or an Uber around that time. So they folded and that was the biggest client at the time. So there was a little bit of anxiety and like, how are we going to navigate this very different landscape? But all of a sudden companies realized the value of social media, which was something that was challenging before to convince them of. Once there were no more events, they realized that was the only way they could really communicate with their clients and their fans. And so all of a sudden the company went crazy busy and really became successful, you know, and clients change over, you know, every year, of course, that's part of the business, but we work with a couple of major PR agencies in New York and we work with um, everyone from a psychologist to artists to the PR firms themselves. And so we get to have that diversity, you mm-hmm. know, and we're at the yeah. point now where we just, we just take the clients that we know we can really work some magic for and that we enjoy working with. So it's pretty cool. It's, it's mm-hmm. really nice to, it's been a lot of work, you know, it took like three years maybe to really start being successful to the level where, I was feeling happy, you know, so like like anything you build, you build it slowly, one brick at a time. (laughs) And I'm sure those skills have come into tremendous use in your own projects and things as well, because that's a whole other side. There's so many times artists are so focused on their craft and their creation that they don't actually think about or have skills around, oh, marketing and promo and (laughs) storytelling outside of what they're creating. Absolutely. Yeah. I I see that a lot. I see, um, I see artists that do it really well and have a lot of followers and just are very successful on social media. And they seem to just be doing what they do, whether it's like illustrations or some have moved into, murals, street art, you know, um, apparel. So those are the ones that sort of know how to market themselves, but you have to be authentic. And that's that's the biggest thing. You have to be yourself. You can't really put on a front and you can't change personalities within your social media presence. So I think, and also you have to treat it like a business. You can't Mm -hmm. just say, oh, I, you know, I'm just going to make this like beautiful piece of art and everyone's going to love it. Well, how do you get it out there? You have to have a website. You have to also learn accounting, learn how to manage budgets. If you win a grant, you have to find a team. You have to be a producer. 
you have to motivate everybody and be um, not only the face of whatever you're creating and maybe starring in even, but you also have to be very, very organized and diligent. You can't be flaky mm. or it's just not going to work. So you have to treat your art like a business. Yeah. How do you manage to have your hand in so many different things and not feel like you're going nuts spinning plates? <laughs> yes. I don't know. Sometimes like I just, I used to be able to get by with a few hours of sleep a night, <laughs> yeah. you know, and just work late into the night and multitask and jump around. And when I worked at Conde Nast, I had this one intern who was amazing, who I ended up hiring as my part-time assistant. And I remember at one point I had so many projects on the go that I had her create a map of my brain, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> you know, like, like a visual of what each project was, yes. sort of like a timeline. And that was great. So having somebody else come in and, and kind of, you know, we all changed computers before we had the cloud, everything was backed up on hard drives. And then you don't think about things like naming conventions. You name a file like summer 2022, but what does that mean three years? You're not going to be able to find that file. So kind of setting up organizational systems, I think it's worth it. If there's something that you can't really do, or you feel like isn't worth your time to learn, then it's often easier just to delegate that to someone else and hire someone to help you with certain tasks, whether that's an accountant, a bookkeeper, whether that's a part-time assistant who can handle like the organizational tasks. Mm. That can be a yeah. little bit challenging. Would so. you have advice for somebody who they have creative outlets that, you know, multiple creative outlets and from a, a marketing standpoint, the the temptation is to talk about whatever their hand is in at the moment, right? And so there's this constant changing of the channel and constantly talking about things that are different. Um, and while it's it's important to talk about these things, but how do you do that in such a way that you're giving people the ability to know what it is that you actually do and how that helps them and not just, hey, you're all over the map? Absolutely. That's a great question. I think when it comes to copious consulting versus Andrea Grant artistic projects, um, I do keep the social media accounts separate. It's two separate entities, two separate websites. But as far as an artist that really maybe has one account per se, um, I would say you have to think of yourself like I think of everything in content buckets you know, pillars, like promotional, um, showcasing the work, motivational, et cetera. And I think that you have to make sure that what you're posting, you have to map it out. Like, okay, if I'm going to post this many days a week, one day is going to be for illustration. One day is going to be for spoken word. One day is going to be announcing an award I got. One day is going to be about somebody else one day is going to be a personal post having fun with friends like showing the human side you know you can't just be you are the brand you are the umbrella and everything else is like streams of rain mm. you know kind of around you but you have to 
I think, choose like five to seven pillars and just kind of rotate the content accordingly. Mm, yeah. And you have to remind people of what you've done in the past too, because people, you don't scroll that far down. And Instagram also, for example, is always changing. So they just did an update. And now they're only showing you what's happened in a couple of days. Like they're not showing you everything anymore and you have to push a button to see older posts. So if you're not online all the time, you know, we, we also can be like very neglect, neglectful of our social media if we're busy with day job work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Instagram just makes it harder and harder for people to even see your work organically. Yeah. So consistency is the key, but making sure that all roads lead back to Rome, which is you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, the, is important. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I think the the idea of, uh, I guess you could say a, a content calendar uh, of having, like you said, mapped out because I think there's also the tendency for artists who are in the moment, they're creating something they're excited about it and they want to just push it out there and say, you know, this is what, what has my attention right now. Um, and then not to think about like, how does that affect everything else that you have going on or, or the other projects that you want to weave in and out of? Um, and so it's not just this, um, whatever has my attention at the moment is the thing that I'm just talking about and pushing out and it's not systematic, I guess. Right. Um, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, yes. One of the things I'd love to talk about now is one of the other projects that, that you have, I know is the spoken word. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, well, my background was originally as a poet, and I used to perform spoken word um, from around 2003 onwards. And in 2003, I made this spoken word album. I worked with a couple of hip hop producers in Canada at the time. And when I look back at it now, like, oh, you know, why did I choose all those poems? And some of it I really still love, but some of it, oh, God. You know, it seems like old and outdated. Um, but ironically, I make money off of that album. Like I make a little bit of money every month, passive income. And that always surprises me. But again, the work evolves. Um, obviously, I got better. I developed my voice. And when I moved to New York, I got to perform at the New York Poets Cafe and opened up for bands, even with a little bit of spoken word and did collaborations. And I wrote this really epic poem, very long poem called Modern Native. And it was my vision to really take that and turn into a film. Hmm. So I was able to do that. And that's just officially been released. It's gone through the film festival circuit, but that is a piece that I'm very excited about and I stand the test of time because I finished the filming right before COVID thank goodness (laughs) and it was filmed in in LA in New York in the Pacific Northwest I got to work with native people and and meet some new talent and work with some elders from my tribe and it was just a magical experience and I think that that comes through and it's it's really about the journey of the duality within people of mixed blood, you know, particularly native mixed with some other things. And how do you merge mythology in your culture with fairy tales? And the opening line is, 
the bones of my ancestors burned beneath my ankles, and there was a certain amount of regret. Their lost tales ignited the air. Speak for us, for we have no voice. So for me, it was about the storytelling being passed down through generations. We culturally Native Americans very much honor the ancestors and feel that the ancestors are with us. And I definitely felt that energy, you know, and then to get to go and work with elder relatives and, you know, some actually passed away after that video was made a couple of years later. So it was just like a magical piece for me and something that a lot of people got to see because of the film festivals and because it was shown in galleries. And I have more plans to do that now that the world is opening up a little bit better. Um, but just, I think that that exposure and just for me, it's always been important to have people just see the work and enjoy it. Mm. But that has also piqued an interest in my other projects. So, you know, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You know, if there were opportunities that came from one project that bleed over into another creative expression and how does that work? Basically, I find that you, once you do something that's sort of successful, that wins awards or what have you, it makes it easier to get arts grants. Having one arts grants in the past makes it easier to get funding for another project. So the plan is to just kind of keep going, keep creating things within the genre, but always weaving in artistic imagery, always, my themes are consistent throughout my work, you know, mythology, a supernatural element, something mystical. Um, and yet I was driven by that, you know, the, the comic book action and the tension sometimes that you, that you need yeah. so that something is not boring to watch or read. <laughs> so I guess it's just, it's a question of building and it's just a question of really, what is that one thing that's going to hit the mark? What is going to propel your projects forward? What is going to make people decision makers take notice maybe there are people that want to collaborate with you or maybe there are people who see what you've created in one arena and then they think like oh what if we worked on this project together you know so i just i keep trying to leverage any successes that i have towards the next project yeah sounds like possibilities open up possibilities open up yes yeah. people pay attention a little yeah. bit more hmm. And you, and you have to, you have to prove your worth. Like I was, when I started my comic, I was like the only girl doing a comic book at the Comic-Con. And some of the guys were a bit resentful, like, because being a girl, you're going to get people coming up to your booth and talking to you. And I would just try to become friends with them, you know, and kind of get them on my side and then everything was cool. But um, that was very interesting. My legitimacy within the comic book world came with, a cease and desist letter from DC comics. Once I released my first make comic saying, Oh wow. And I had started a trademark process that had somehow the lawyer disappeared and it, it wasn't followed through with, but it was in the records and they were trying to do like a kid's project called Ming. So I had to hire an attorney and it was in like the New York post comic girl wins against DC, you know, and that gave me like street credibility. So we, we came to an agreement, a coexistence agreement and everything was amicable, 
but all of a sudden then I was accepted by these guys that were a little bit suspicious of me. <laughs> so things like that can really getting a little bit of press, getting a little bit of notoriety that can help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm thinking now, like uh, you, you've done so many different things in so many different forums. Um, and it's just, you're such a driven person and creative person. Obviously, I think you said it best earlier as we were talking where you've, you've created your own reality, so to speak, you know, your own existence, your own world. And I'm wondering, is there something that you would love to do that you have yet to do? Yes. I really, really, really want Minx to become a series, like an HBO Max series or, or something of that caliber, you know, high production value, like very, very strong. And I'm working towards it with this animated short film that I will be creating over the summer. So, but I want to see it live action. I want to see people in it mm. if, if they can do that. Or I want it to be like, you know how animated series can seem juvenile sometimes mm -hmm. if you see something you're, you're like oh that's a cartoon it doesn't really appeal to me as an adult even some of the more serious ones so you have to be really take that into consideration you know as you evolve a project so that's that's my dream is to have that project be very successful and i'm working towards looking at my my whole career looking at my agency and the amount of work that I can take on and devoting say 30% to my artistic pursuits. So a balance, you know, if I take on too much work with the agency, I will have like no time to pursue yeah. the artist's path, but I have to start making money as an artist. That's why the grants come in handy. You know, you have to learn too, if you happen to win, win a grant and they are hard, you know, you need, a grant writer to help you you need some you need to talk to the grant officers you need to like prove yourself they get to know you and again there's a lot of no's there's a lot of hours wasted on applications that get rejected so you have to just keep going apply for anything you can try to win some awards try to get some press whatever it is and um if you do win a grant or prize money or whatever it is make sure you pay yourself first because it's very easy to go over budget, try to make your project perfect, yep. spend a lot of your own money, and then feel frustrated. And that happens too sometimes. Yeah. But if you balance yeah. it out, say you get a next another grant, make sure you pay yourself first and put mm -hmm. that into the budget. That's completely acceptable in a yeah. grant proposal. Love and artists, same thing. Like they don't really, they tend to put all the money back into the work or the project, but you have to exist. You have to pay your bills and your rent and your mortgage, what have you. So. Yeah. Yeah. The labor of love um, can very easily become an anchor and it can drag you down if you're not careful in setting up some systems, like you've said, for sure. That's, that's wise advice. Um, well, we're unbelievably, we're, we're kind of coming to the top of our time already. Um, okay. <laughs> I know with, with all the things that, that you have going on and, and, uh, I mean, wow, I, I feel like we could do a series. Um, but um, is there anything else uh, project-wise that you'd like to let people know about or, or you know, uh, where can they connect with you? Um, they could go to my website at andreagrant.com and that has links to social media. I'm usually 
Andrea Grant is a common name. So sometimes I'm Andrea Grant Copious on Instagram or on other platforms. So you can find me online, definitely. And then go from there and then then work through the portals. Yes. <laughs> and we can say, YouTube we videos. And- yeah, we can, we heard it here first about your your breakthrough in the animation, and uh, we're gonna point back to this conversation because very soon it's Thank gonna be you. like, wow, this is amazing. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, just ending with a question of: Is there something maybe that you have been given as far as advice along the way that you would love to pass along to somebody who's listening right now? I don't know why I bought this book years ago, but. I bought this book by what I now know to be like a very famous motivational speaker called Brian Tracy, and it was called Create Your Own Future. And he's a businessman who became very successful. And something about that book, I always go back to that book, you know, because that's where I learned that that tip of writing things down, like, what do you want? Write it in the present tense, write the steps out on how to get there, how to achieve that goal. And I used to carry around, you know, recipe cards, make little Mm -hmm. flashcards where I had my objective in the present tense written on the front and then the bullet points on the back. And when I was on the subway, I would just read through those cards, remind myself, like stick to your vision, don't give up. And if you need to read something that motivates you, if you need to watch a film that might inspire you, whatever it is, like when you're drained creatively, replenish and recharge your batteries, but have some sort of practical wisdom that you can always go back to. Hmm. So for me, it's that book for some reason. That's awesome. Or looking back at my own work, like take a minute and and appreciate what you have done and how far you came. Yeah. Celebrate. Yes, you need to celebrate. Otherwise, you can get discouraged. Yeah. Hmm. I love it. Uh, Thank you so much for spending this time today. I mean, you are obviously uh, just an inspiration um, in the things that you're doing and have done. And it's obvious that, you know, you're you're driven and you're filled with vision and um, and things are happening. And so um, I just I I love that we were able to, to have this chance to connect. So thank you again. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.